maybe you're a little bit like me. Uh, does anyone say, uh, I, 2018 uh, didn't go like I thought it was going to go? Anybody, anyone would raise your hand and say, yeah, yeah, I see some hands there. Uh, definitely did not plan my 2018 uh, out the way that it is. And did anyone, maybe you came up some short on some goals or you, you felt like you just, you know, maybe it was uh, getting out of debt, maybe it was going how many times you wanted to go to the gym or how far you wanted to run or how many cuss words you didn't want to say, uh, you know, how Christ-like you wanted to be. And maybe you didn't, you came up short. Anybody come up short? And well, you know, uh, as uh, we look back in our lives, we see these moments where we came up short. And, uh, and I remember one of those as a kid uh, coming up short in my life. And we have our kids in here today. How many, where's the kids at? Yeah, we see some kids. Raise your hand. Yeah, we're glad to have you guys in here uh, with us for this last weekend of the year. We're always glad to have our Rise kids in here. Um, and and any, any kids in third grade? Where Any third graders in here? Any third graders? Any third graders? I'm not going to make you come up here. Don't worry. They're like, I'm not raising my hand. Uh, okay, I got a couple third graders. Well, I remember something happened to me when I was in third grade. Uh, when I was in third grade, I was a very good uh, at spelling. In fact, I got 100 on every spelling test I took in the whole third grade. And so uh, our school did a spelling bee. And before the spelling bee, we did practice. And so what was going to happen is the top three in the spelling bee for our school would go on to the district spelling bee. And so, uh, you know, I'm practicing. And every practice we had, every practice spelling bee we had, I came in first place. And I beat everybody else handily, no problem. Every, every one of the practices, I, I made it through. And then it came time for the actual spelling bee up on the, the platform in front of the school. And all the school was there watching it. And so the third graders are up there on stage. And one thing about spelling bees, if you don't know this, is you don't want to be picked, you don't want to draw seat number one in the spelling bee. That is the hardest seat to get drawn into because uh, it, you have less likely, because the way it would work is when it comes down to the final three, the final three automatically go on, even if they misspelled a word in the same round that the other kids before them misspelled. And so we come down and we're like 10 rounds into it. And there's like eight kids left. And then, you know, we, we go through another round and there's only four kids left. And I'm one of them and I'm number one. So... They draw out, and the words get harder. And so they draw out a word, and they say the word, and I look at them because I'm like, uh, uh, what language was that? I don't, I don't understand. And they, the word was earringly. And as a third grader, I had never heard that word before. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Can you use it in a sentence? And then they used it in a sentence, and I knew less of what that word meant <laughs> after that. And I was like, I got to think of how to fake this. Um, and I said some letters, and they weren't right, and they were like, wrong. And then I have to sit down on the stage, and I start crying. Because I realize, like, there's three kids left after me. And then the next kid misspe uh, misspelled gallery, the next kid misspelled haunted, and the next kid misspelled, I can't remember what the, the third word was. They all misspelled the words right after me. So I literally came up short of getting into the finals, just because of where I was drawn. And I cried, and everyone in the school laughed at me. Like literally everybody. Because I'm, I'm on the stage crying like a baby like because I lost the spelling bee, and they thought it was hilarious. Because like who cries for losing a spelling bee? Because none of those kids could spell anything. I mean literally anything. They couldn't spell that. Uh, so they thought that was funny that I was up there crying about losing. But I came up short 
Regardless of what number I drew, all I came up short. I didn't measure up to the standards there. And then all those kids lost in the, in the district, like the first round. They were all out in the first round because the words got harder with the district. And so um, I was really upset about that. And I, and I had come up short. And really when we look at the, the story of the life of Jesus, what, what, what is really found in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, we see the story of many people who come up short in their lives. And I want to share one of those with you of how Jesus addresses that in this person's life. And so uh, it's found in Luke. Uh, Luke was a physician, and he writes the book of Luke there um, to really give a history of an outsider looking in to the story of Jesus and his life. Uh, and what happened in his life, and he chronicled it. And we really see in the context here of what's happening in Jesus' life. He's going around preaching, he's teaching, he's sharing parables, he's working miracles. He, 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 everywhere he goes, it's, it's better than Beatlemania. Like, everywhere he goes, it's like he, he, is, he was a boy band before boy bands were a thing. Like, he, you know, there's no mass media, there's no social media, there's no, there's no way, all word of mouth, everywhere he would go, crowds would show up. And, and, and they would want to be around him, and they would want to hear what he had to say. And sometimes people would come out of desperation, and sometimes they would come out of curiosity, and sometimes they would just touch him and, and, and push in on the crowd, and, oh, I, want to, I, just, want to, I just want to touch him. I just want to, you know. And, and I get that feeling because I remember uh, a few years ago, uh, well, actually quite a few years ago, um, uh, is I've been a, actually, it's weird because I, though I'm not from San Antonio, I've been a Spurs fan my whole life. Uh, and, and I've always loved San Antonio. It's just weird. God was preparing my heart to be here, I think. Um, but, um, and Pastor Aaron knows that that's, I, I, I'm not just saying that. I actually was a Spurs fan and when he's a Lakers fan. Um, and I, I'm sorry, did I throw you under the bus? Um, I did. <laughs> But, but I remember being, we went to uh, at the palace in, in Detroit, and, and, and we got to see, my friend got row three, like, seats to see the Spurs playing the Pistons, and it was so close. Like, we were like, like, I'm sitting, like, right there, and, like, this is the aisle, go to back to the visitor thing, and I got to touch Tim Duncan. It was awesome. He was sweaty. Um, <laughs> But I imagine that's what Jesus, when people, they were, they were like, I got to touch Jesus. It's amazing. And so he, he's going to this town called Jericho, and this guy hears about him, and we're going to join in there in verse 2 of chapter 19. And you can check that out on uh, UU version app that you can download. Now's a great time. If you've never downloaded that app, now's a great time because of the new year. You can start new Bible reading plans uh, to, to, to read there. It's a free app that you can do. You can also follow along. It's going to be on the screens, or you can look there in your Bibles uh, in Luke 19. It says, there was a man named Zacchaeus. It was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, uh, having, having been in kids' ministry for many years, and been a, I was a kids' pastor for the first, you know, uh, you know, 15 to 19 years of being a pastor, I, I got to do that and, and have that privilege of doing that. Uh, we had this song we would sing about this guy named Zacchaeus. This was a, a little song that we sang in the Sunday school, and it went like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. You guys heard, anybody heard that song, you remember? If you grew up in church, you might have heard that. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And, you know, it kind of went on about this guy named Zacchaeus. And so this is a story we tell in kids because we like it. It's a good story. But a lot of times what can happen is if something becomes familiar to us, we can have a disdain for it and just like, oh, that's just a kid's story about a short guy. 
But let's see some truth that's in there. It says he was a chief tax collector in the region, and he become very rich. He become very rich. It's interesting, uh, you know, as much as today we would look at tax collectors and say, hey, that's not a profession. Like when you're a kid that you're like, oh, I can't wait to grow up and work for the IRS. If you have a kid that says that, seek counseling. <laughs> call me, you know, they call the church number. It'll come right to me. Um, we can help. No one says that. And in their days, that was even more hated because not only were these guys tax collectors, they were collaborators with the Roman government that was the occupying force in that day. So they weren't like, this was not like a loved profession. But it does say he was a chief tax collector. That means he was a leader. He was a leader in his field. And it said he had become very rich. Interesting that his position and his possessions didn't, satisfy this need that he had within him. And the, we can get more money and we can get more position and we can get more power, but it doesn't satisfy this need that is within us. He was still searching for something. And so in verse 3 it says, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was, what? Too short. Everyone say too short to see over the crowd. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted a glimpse. He had heard about this Jesus. He wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus, but he was too short. And you know what? That reminds me of, of us in our life is that there are times where we come up short where we don't measure up to seeing Jesus in our lives, that our lives don't measure up. And what is keeping you? I want to ask you that question. What is keeping you from seeing Jesus in your life? Romans talks about this. The writer of Romans, he wrote this. He said, for everyone is sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. It's interesting that they use the word fall short there. We all come up short. We all don't measure up. And so we continue on with Zacchaeus. It says, for he ran, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, that's interesting there. Uh, that you see behavior that was not usual for a man of his position, he ran. And if you don't know this, in, in the, that Hebrew culture of that day, men did not run unless they were playing sports. And, and, and I think that's probably pretty accurate for today. Um, men don't run unless we're playing sports. I, I actually am a runner, um, and, and I realized that some people were like, why would you ever run? I was like, because I like cake. Uh, I run to eat cake. So, and it says he climbed. And that's another thing a man wouldn't do. He wouldn't be found climbing a tree. That's something that children did. Children ran. Not dignified men who were chief. Tax collectors and very rich. They didn't run. They didn't climb trees. And it's interesting that he climbs this sycamore fig tree beside the road. Because we have to ask ourselves is where do we go to be humbled? I love that Pastor Aaron shared a message in our last Christmas cheer series about that, that we find true joy in humility. This story, again, reinforces that. And I was a little worried as sharing this. And I was like, Pastor, I don't want to step, step on what you've already taught. But when you realize that we're both teaching the gospel, the good news, that there's going to be things that are going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to mesh together. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to overlap if we're preaching God's word. And so this is interesting, the type of tree that he climbed, the sycamore fig tree. Because you see this humbling, and there's really no seeing Jesus without humbling yourself. 
And you see that this tree that he climbed was a sycamore fig tree. And I did a little research about a sycamore fig tree. It has a very, very small fruit. And this is, this is a picture of it. And you can see they, they're just about, just a little bit bigger than grapes that the fruit is, and that it's mostly seeds inside of there. And so they did not grow the sycamore fig tree for fruit because there was not enough fruit there to eat. And so people considered these trees in that day to be worthless and so common that because they didn't grow trees for ornamental purposes, they grew them to eat. And so they considered this to be the poorest of poor trees to eat because it was more work involved to harvest the fruit and to pick the fruit from the seed than was worth the amount of fruit that you would get. It was considered to be worthless. And in fact, what they would only use this tree for in that days of, of the days of Jesus is they would line the roads with them. They would plant them along the roads because they would grow up and become great shade trees for those who were traveling along the road. And so you see Zacchaeus climbing this shade tree to look and to get a picture. This tree that others may say, that's worthless. That's, that's for the poor. It's interesting because often in Scripture when we see a tree mentioned, what it's doing is actually foreshadowing or being a metaphor for the cross of Jesus. That some look at and say, well, that's just for the poor of the poor. That is worthless. I consider that not to be worth anything at all. The place of humbling for us as believers is the cross. It's at the foot of the cross that we find our humbling. And Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth, the church that's in, that you can find in modern-day Greece, this land where they were at. And it says this, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. He said the cross is where the power of God is found. Verse 5, we continue on. How does he find that power? He, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Again, his humility brought him to joy, reinforcing what we learned. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. It's interesting that in that moment, Zacchaeus, he saw Jesus' goodness and kindness displayed. People around the crowd judged him because he was in this hated profession. They saw him as a notorious sinner. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't lecture. Jesus didn't condemn him. He just said, come down, I'm coming to your house. And really what you see is the people who were opposing Zacchaeus in this moment. What they're really saying is this. He's no good, but I'm good. Why are you going to his house? You should come to my house because I'm good. I'm good, he's bad. We're good, those people are bad. Why are you going over there with the bad people? And you see this theme reoccurring over and over in the Gospels. That Jesus would go with the people that were bad people. Notorious sinners. While everyone else was grumbling and saying, I can't believe, what you, I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe. They were so displeased. And as long as we think that our goodness 
will help us to see God, we're going to continue to fall short and not measure up. As long as we feel that our goodness is what helps us get the good glimpse of God. And so Jesus really addressed this in the chapter before this in Luke. A great religious leader who considered himself to be really good came to him and said, Good teacher, good master. And he asked him a question and Jesus answers this way. He says, uh, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Now, we know that Jesus was God sent to the earth, God with us, Emmanuel. So why would he answer that way? Because really what he's saying is, is he's, he's questioning this guy's goodness. So what this guy was calling him good is because he was saying, you know, good recognizes good. I'm a good man. I recognize that you're a good man. And Jesus just throws that down. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. You know, we, 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 we hear this question a lot as pastors. Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? You go to Luke 18, 19, and it says, only God is truly good. Only God is truly good. Only God is truly good. And if we stop trying to be good in ourselves, instead we get a glimpse of his goodness. That is what we need to do. And so it's interesting that the crowd didn't see Jesus in the same light that Zacchaeus saw because they saw themselves in a different light than Zacchaeus saw himself. He got a deeper look into Jesus than they got. In verse 8, we continue on. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I cheated people on their taxes, I will give them four times as much. I'm going to give them back four times as much. It's interesting in this, this moment that, that Zacchaeus has this encounter with Jesus with no condemnation, with no shame, with no lecture, with no yelling. And he, and, and he says this, hey, I'm repenting. He, he repented in that moment. Repenting simply meaning this, that he had a change of lifestyle, a change of behavior, a change of mind. Really what it means in the Greek, it means metanoeo, meta meaning change, Nuevo mean mind. He literally changed his way of thinking in that moment. One encounter with Jesus. One encounter with Jesus he changed. And he paid retribution. He wanted to make it right. It's amazing here that it was God's goodness that he saw in that moment. God's kindness. And the, Again, the writer Romans writes, he says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's amazing. Jesus could have condemned the man. He could have said, hey, you dirty sinner in the tree, you better turn or you're going to burn. If anybody could say that, it would have been Jesus. He had no sin. He could have called out the sin in this man's life, but he didn't. He said, come down. I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to dine today. There was so much in that that I would love to go into that, that really what you see is this culture of like good men didn't go into bad men's homes. Uh, good Jewish men didn't go into the homes of those who they would consider infidels or Gentiles or those outside the covenant with God. But here you see Jesus breaking societal norms and saying, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to be a guest of honor in your house. It's amazing that the love for Jesus, because it's really what this was, is this, it, was a, it was a response to the love of Jesus. He began to love Jesus, and that the love of Jesus can motivate us to do far 
greater things than legalism, guilt, manipulation could ever do. We see his love and we're changed. It's amazing. He spent just a short time. I mean, it wasn't like days. He just literally got down from the tree, said, come on, we're going to my house. And this guy just starts repenting. Like, I, 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 just one moment, one moment with Jesus, he automatically starts repenting and changing his life. You can't encounter Jesus and walk away unchanged and unmoved. If you have a true encounter with him, as we go and we're humble with him, and we're surrendering to his leadership, we, we're depending upon him. We're resting in him. We're changed in a moment. And often what we can feel like is, that, oh, i got to do something to be right with God. i gotta, I got to fix something. i got to make something right. And so we say, you know, hey, I'm going to start reading the Bible. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do good by reading the Bible just so I can be right with God. And that's, we believe in reading the Bible, man. You know, we, we actually have these bookmarks that we're just starting in January called our SOAP bookmarks. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. It's an approach to reading Scripture. We have two chapters a day that you can read. You can grab one of these bookmarks out there and start reading the Word. We believe in, we're, we are a Word-believing church. One of our five values is Bible. We believe in the Bible. However, we don't believe and do good with the Bible so we can be made right with God. We've already been made right with God. And maybe we say, well, it's prayer. Prayer, I'm going I'm to start praying. I'm going to start talking to God more. I'm going to start praying more. I'm going to do more in prayer. And we believe in prayer. In fact, we're going to do 21 days of prayer starting uh, January 7th. We're going to have every day where we're going to have, and you can follow us on social media, and you're going to see a link to a, a video that we're going to do every morning. And if you're a morning prayer person, get up and pray with us. If you're not a morning person, get up at noon or whatever time you get up and pray, pray with the video that's already there. That's okay. And that's okay to pray. And we want to, we, we, this is a house of prayer, but prayer won't make you right with God. And maybe it's like you say, well, okay, I'm going to get involved in the church. That's how I'll be made right with God. I'm going to do a bunch of good. I'm going to serve as an usher. Yes, we want you to get in, get in Next Steps class and get involved with the church. Yep, you should do that. But that won't make you right with God. You've already been made right with God. And really where we find our rightness with God is we don't do these things that are right to get right or to even stay right with God. We do the right things because we've already been made right. It's a, it's, a, it's a response. And when we look at our efforts to try to be made right, it's like the comparison of this ladder and this rug here. That some of you can't even see the rug here because of where you're sitting. But, but if you look at where I'm standing on this rug, and then when I step off this rug, there's not much difference in my elevation. This rug barely elevates me probably one centimeter. If I step on it, you can hardly tell the difference. It, 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 now that I'm, I'm pointing it out, you probably can tell. But, but, but this is what our works are before the cross. That we're trying to elevate ourselves to be able to see Jesus above everything else our world is displaying to us. And we're trying to do it by rolling out a rug. Our own works, our own good. And it falls short. Where we need to go to the cross climb the cross, humble ourselves, and then we can see further than we ever thought we could see as we're elevated on the cross. Not in our own works, not in our own effort, but the work, the finished work of the cross.